everyone, and welcome back to another education series on the Behind the Stigma podcast. I'm your host, Yara Minova, and in today's education series, our topic is the Robber's Cave Experiment. Let's get started. So what was the Robber's Cave Experiment? The Robber's Cave Experiment was conducted by a Turkish-American psychologist named Muzaffir Sheriff, along with his wife, Carolyn Sheriff, and colleagues in 1954. The study aimed to investigate intergroup conflict and cooperation by observing the behavior of two groups of boys at a summer camp, hypothesizing that competition between groups could cause hostility and conflict, while cooperation could lead to a reduction in prejudice and improved intergroup relations. Muzaffir was a pioneering figure in the field of social psychology and known for his work on group dynamics, social influence, and his later developed theory, the realistic conflict theory. The Robbers Cave Experiment was one of his most influential and famous studies. So let's take a trip back in time to the summer of 1954. A group of boys ranging between the ages from 11 to 12 years old, all from middle-class white Protestant families, were taken to a remote campsite in Oklahoma in the United States called the Robbers Cave State Park. These boys were selected from various schools across Oklahoma and had received permission from the boys' parents to participate in the camp. Although the parents were not actually told of the real reason for the experiment, they thought it's just a regular boys' camp. They were also not allowed to contact their child for three weeks for the duration of the study. can imagine a few parents thinking, how for this? So once the selection process was finalized, Muzaffar and his team of researchers divided the boys into two groups. Keep in mind, in the beginning of this experiment, the two groups were in their own separate campsite at the state park and did not know that the other group existed. The split of the two groups was intentional. The researchers first wanted to observe if the boys would develop their own identities and form bonds within their own groups. This was the first part of the experiment. Just as predicted, after a series of games, activities like swimming and hiking, and just spending a lot of time and having fun together, the boys had bonded in their own groups and even created their own subcultures. They gave a name for their groups, one calling themselves the Eagles and the other the Rattlers. They created flags and t-shirts for their groups, enhancing their identity. The researchers were observing and recording these behaviors throughout and also posing as the camp staff. Creepy researchers. But anyways, once the eagles and rattlers had established a solid foundation, it was time for the second part of the experiment, introducing the two groups to one another, which the researchers and Muzaffir had carefully planned. To bring the second part of the experiment to life, they, the researchers, intentionally set up conflicts between the eagles and the rattlers by setting up competitions like tug-of-war, baseball, and almost encouraging friction by posing winning and losing teams, although they watched closely to not let the situation escalate too much. As expected, the competitions led to a lot of hostility and conflict between the two groups. The eagles and the rattlers became super insular and aggressive towards each other, even going so far as to vandalize each other's cabins and steal each other's belongings. There was an incident where the eagles burned the flag of the rattlers and then the rattlers raided the eagles' cabins, as mentioned, stealing their clothes and other belongings. Reminds me of the movie Parents Trap a little, if you ever watched it. So anyway, during that week, many fights broke out and the hostility increased, which included other aggressive actions as well, like verbal insults and physical confrontations and again, acts of sabotage. At this point, there was a clear divide in the groups. What the researchers observed is called in-group and out-group bias mentality. In-group and out-group bias refer to the tendency of people to favor members of their own group, the in-group, and to view members of the other group, the out-group, more negatively. These biases are actually said to be a natural process of human social behavior and can be observed in a wide range of contexts, for example, in sports teams, 
think Barca versus Real Madrid. But to other more serious divides as well, unfortunately, like race, ethnicity, gender, age, and more. These biases can lead to negative attitudes and behaviors towards outgroup members, such as discrimination, stereotyping, and prejudice. Now, going back to the experiment, once this divide was clearly present, Muzaffar and his team now wanted to move on to the next and final part of the experiment conflict resolution. It was now time for the researchers to implement a series of interventions aimed at reducing interconflict. So how did they achieve this? They did this by introducing a series of common goals that could only be accomplished through cooperation between the two groups. For example, one of the ways they did this is by telling both the groups that someone destroyed the pipes that bring water to the camp hint, it was them, and that the children had to work collaboratively to find and solve the problem. They also arranged for the boys to spend time together in more casual settings, such as watching movies or having meals together. As the time progressed, the boys started to develop friendships within the groups. Over time, they finally began to see each other as individuals rather than members of rival groups. By the end of the experiment, the boys had formed cross-group friendships and their prejudices towards the other group had disappeared. Yay for happy endings. So what can we learn from the robber's cave experiment? Well, I think a number of things. Firstly, the study showed that intergroup conflict can arise quickly, even among groups of children who have no prior history of animosity towards each other. Think of, for example, when playing a game of charades with your friends. You suddenly feel a strong sense of bond if you are in team A and can even create a sense of hostility towards team B, even though they are your friends. I mean, I certainly can, not sure about you. Or think of football teams. For example, if you're a Man U fan and your friend is a fan of Newcastle, although you may have way more in common with your Man U friend than you do with the football player you're supporting, there is a clear divide and even hostility can appear when these two teams play against one another. But this study also demonstrates that with the right interventions, prejudice and hostility can be reduced and intergroup relations can be improved. When people have a shared goal to work towards, it can bring them together and allow them to see each other as individuals rather than members or rivals. After the experiment, Muzaffar and his wife Carolyn came up with a theory known as the realistic conflict theory. This theory states that whenever there are two or more groups that are seeking the same limited resources, this will lead to conflict, negative stereotypes and beliefs, and discrimination between the groups. Think of all the civil wars happening in the world. For example, if ethnic group A believes that members of ethnic group B pose as a threat to them, then regardless of whether this is true, ethnic group A will feel resentment and hostility. Fighting for resources such as power or territory, or even things like stealing jobs, are all examples of the limited resources. This theory suggests that intergroup conflicts are not caused by innate differences between groups, but rather by competition for resources that are seen as essential to the survival and well-being of the group. According to this theory, when different groups perceive that their interests, goals, or resources are in conflict, it leads to negative attitudes, aggression towards the opposing group. Perceiving here is the key word. Even though this might not actually be true, if we perceive it to be that way, then we'll act with the same hostility. In the experiment, we saw how competition for limited resources such as trophies, recognition, privileges contributed to the escalation of conflict between the eagles and the rattlers. The findings of the robber's cave experiment supported the realistic conflicts theory idea that intergroup conflict can be driven by perceived competition and the subsequent negative feelings towards the outgroup, but that also fighting together against a common enemy can bring people together. Despite being one of the most popular studies in the field, this study is flawed. 
not only based on study design, but also extremely unethical in today's standards. And some later researchers even say that the study's validity is to be questioned. There are a number of ethical issues such as deception, psychological harm, lack of diversity, and even power imbalances. Deception because the boys in the study were not informed about the true purpose of the experiment. They were led to believe that they were attending a regular summer camp and the competition between the groups was presented as just another aspect of the camp experience, although it was manipulated by the researchers. Also, the researchers did not obtain informed consent from the participants or their parents. And then on top of all this, the boys and their parents were not even told about the true nature of the experiment even after the experiment was done. That was probably because they were scared for their life if they were to find out. But anyway, there was, there was also a lack of diversity in the study. The participants in the study were all white, middle-class boys from similar backgrounds. And this lack of diversity raises questions about the generalizability of the findings to other populations. Power imbalances are also a problem. For example, the researchers had a significant amount of power over the participants. And this power imbalance may have influenced the behavior of the boys in the study. It has also been critiqued by many that the researchers actually controlled the experiment in a way and nudged it for the results to fit their hypothesis. Of course, it's important to note that the ethical standards for research involving human subjects has evolved significantly since the Robbers Cave experiment, thank God, which was conducted in the 1950s. Today, researchers are required to obtain informed consent from their participants, obviously to minimize the risk of harm and to provide debriefing and support to participants even after the study is over. Still, the experiment has taught us a lot about human behavior and can even be thought about on how it can be applied in real-life applications. For example, in education, by exposing students to positive interactions with members of other groups and providing them with opportunities to work together towards common goals, schools can help reduce that intergroup hostility and prejudice. And in the workplace too, by promoting inclusive policies and practices such as diversity training, mentoring, and team building exercising, workplaces and organizations can also help foster a culture of respect and cooperation that leads to improved intergroup relations. Although we cannot eliminate the problem of conflict for good, we can think of ways that we can help one another and reduce conflict between groups in schools, communities, and society as a whole. And to conclude on the moral of the experiment, the message of Muzaffar Sheriff's work is that when you give people an important enough problem to solve together, they can put aside their differences. Well, there you have it. We have reached the end of another education series episode. I'd like to, as always, remind you that this is a very small snippet into the world of social psychology and into the experiment itself. What did you think of the experiment? Do you think the realistic conflict theory is valid or did it ignore more deeper systemic issues that arise in conflict? Some food for thought. Thank you once again for tuning in and listening. If you did find this episode interesting, please do support us by either liking, sharing, or subscribing to the podcast to keep up to date with the latest episodes. Your feedback and support means a lot. Thank you so much and we'll catch you in the next episode.